I really wish you could have been there. It was November of 2003. I was in the nosebleed section at Kemper Arena for the Kansas City leg of U2's Elevation Tour. Anyone in the room there? Anyone at home online? Well, I'm a huge U2 fan, was then, still am now. I've been to almost all of the, the concerts, whether it's at Kempa, Kemper or, you know, whatever the arena is, but there's something about that night nearly 17 years ago that was nothing short of transcendent. This incredible moment of encountering God at a rock show. And so they just come out, you two had with the, the album, their third great album, All That You Can't Leave Behind. And so they started out that show with uh, a lot of the new songs. And they, they were good, but there's nothing like the old U2 songs. And towards the middle, to sort of uh, two-thirds way through the set, they start to play some of the classics, some of my favorites, things like With or Without You, Running to Stand Still, and Bad. And as, as the, the, the band is concluding this sort of stretch, the set, the swell of anticipation, uh, they start to come to the conclusion of that particular song and all the band members cut out except for the edge on guitar. And as Jesus is playing this riff, quietly anticipation is mounting. Get into it. So that's, that's where we are in this moment. And then Bono, the lead singer, starts to sing from their song called 40. He's singing the bridge. It comes straight from the Psalms. And he just starts belting out, how long to sing their song. How long to sing their song? And as he starts to, to stop singing, and as the edge is playing that riff, 12,000 of us are singing the words of the scriptures, how long to sing their song. And it's in this moment that this Irish rock band ceases having a concert and puts on church. And Bono starts praying to the God of the universe in the name of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. At least I knew that. I don't know that everyone else did. And I didn't know what he was saying at the time, but I knew it was praying to God and that there was a transcendent moment happening. Turns out he was singing from, uh, praying from, from Psalm 116, where this Irish rock star is saying, what can I give back to God? for the blessings you've poured out on me? What can I give back to God for the blessings you've poured out on me? I lift high the cup of salvation. It is a toast to the Father. I'll follow through on the promises I made to you. Lord, hear my heart. And at that moment, the, the, the keyboards start playing the, the, the pad at the beginning of the Joshua Tree album, so you know what's coming. It's uh, where the streets have no name, and, and the edge starts to play that lick, and, and we're just like singing and worshiping 12,000 strong, most of whom who didn't know Jesus, but we were praising the God of the universe in that moment. Absolutely transcendent. See, there's something about art that, that transforms our hearts and our minds, and there's something about great art that can change a life and a soul and a trajectory. Are you with me? 
You see, engineering, math, and science, they're really good and really helpful. They help us understand things of the world and things of God. But music and art and poetry and literature, there's something about lyrics and melody that get bypass all the stuff and help us to connect with reality as it is. Songs that we sing are art set to music. And the psalms that we sing when we gather and worship are pathways to encounter the living God. And so we're beginning a series today on the book of Psalms. It's right in the middle of our Bible. It's the original hymn book of Israel. And the psalms are many things. The psalms are great art. They are poetry. They are prayer. The songs are music for corporate worship and musings for troubled souls. These psalms were the original Hebrew hymn book. These psalms were the the lyrics that Jesus sang when he was on this earth. And the psalms are the soundtrack to the Christian faith from Jesus' day to our day. This is the power of the psalms. But what we want you to take away today and throughout this series is that the psalms are a pathway by which you and I can encounter the living God. These psalms are a pathway by which you and I can encounter the living God. So whether we're here worshiping on Sunday morning or whether we were at that U2 concert, as Anna prayed, we have access to encountering the living God all day at all times in every way. And so consider this your invitation into the psalms, into the scriptures, into ways of praying And God willing, you and I, individually and collectively, we will encounter God together. And so the Psalms, the very first Psalm, starts us out with this image and this invitation into the very pathway of encountering the living God. And it goes like this, Psalm uh, 1. It's just six short verses, but really powerful. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. See, Psalm 1 has these vivid images that do these really important things right out of the gate. There's a text and a tree. There's two people following two distinct paths, and it begins with a crossroad and a choice. And so today is the crossroads, that opportunity that you and I may choose. What path are we going to go down? And are we going to choose a path that allows us to encounter the living God? For the Lord watches over that path, the psalm concludes, the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Well, there's a great poem, perhaps the most famous poem in American literature, at least according to Robert Pinsky, this poet laureate. And it's a poem by Robert Frost called The Road Not Taken. And you may not recall it right now, but you'll recall it 
as I start to say a few lines from it because it gives the same picture. Here's maybe a visual image that Robert Frost is working with, and you'll see it paralleled in the Psalms. It's called The Road Not Taken, where he says it like this. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. And so this traveler comes to a crossroads and he's got to make a choice. Do I go down this way or this way? Well, what path do I take? And it talks about that inner journey of trying to decide because he knows once he starts down one, he probably won't go back the other way. And you've probably heard the way this poem ends. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I... I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. You heard this poem before? You've seen this idea? It's an incredible poem, yes. And I don't know, I would guess he wasn't looking at Scripture in Psalm 1, but that's the same image. And indeed, it's the same image that our Savior takes in the Sermon on the Mount. Hey, don't take the, the wide road. That leads to destruction. Take the narrow road. So today, my friends, we are at a crossroads, and we have a choice to make. And so this psalm helps us at the crossroad. It describes two paths. We can go one way or the other, to the right or to the left. And so the first path it describes, the way the psalm opens, is it begins with the words, oh, the joys of the godly path. Oh, the joys. The word is blessed. The word is happy. It's the word that inspired Pharaoh Williams' song by that name. I mean, it didn't really, but you know the song, Happy? Like, that's the image that is trying to evoke by the person who goes down the second path. And so the psalmist begins by saying, blessed, happy, joyful are those who do not go down the first path. What does that first path look like? Three words, walk, stand, sit. Walk, stand, sit. Here's Psalm 1, verse 2. Blessed are the one, happy, joyful are the ones who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. You kids at home or in this room, this is like when your mom says, hey, don't hang out with that group. Don't walk around with that group. Don't hang out with them. Why? Because your mom knows <laughs> that bad company corrupts good character. And when you're hanging out with that type of person, it's a slippery slope. When you're walking around, hanging out with those who go down that first path. Because sooner or later, if you're walking in the ways of the wicked, you will begin to stand around with sinners. The difference is if you're walking, if you're in transit, like things are happening around you, but when you stand and you circle up with this group, you're becoming one of them, one who is walking down that wide road that leads to destruction. See, that's the difference, and that's the insidious thing about sin, and make no mistake, this passage is saying turn towards God and away from sin. Because here's the thing about sin. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I hope I blow it today. 
I am looking for every opportunity to sin. No one says that. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I have a path I could go. Um, the one that's leading to destruction, I want to go that way. Like, that doesn't happen. The psalmist knows what your mother knows. If you're walking around with sinners, eventually you'll stand becoming one of them. And as that happens time over time, you will sit in the seat of mockers. Who or what is a mocker? Well, clearly it could be someone who with their words defies God, makes a mockery of God, makes a mockery of values, all of those things. That is a possible meaning and indeed a meaning of the word mocker. But you can mock God without opening your mouth because we can make a mockery of God when we live our lives in accordance with the first path. Defying God, not just with our words, but with our actions. And if we walk around long enough, if we stand around enough, we will sit in the seat of mockers. In the workplace, maybe that looks like cutting a few small ethical corners. We're walking around with the wicked. And then, then we just say, you know, I, let's not confuse business with ethics. We begin to stand, and then we sit in the seat of scandal. Maybe for us, it's in our dating relationships. We know what we should do, but we're really attracted to that guy or that girl. And so maybe we start walking in parallel and we start doing things we wouldn't have otherwise done. And then maybe we wake up the morning after driving away, sitting in our car thinking, how did that happen? See, we don't fall into sin. It is the logical progression when we choose to go the path of the wicked as opposed to the path of the godly. This is what this poem, this psalm, is teaching us. So it says, choose wisely. If you're at the crossroads and you have a choice and you can go down one path that leads to destruction, hey, you'll be happy if you go down the second path. And the text gives us what that second path looks like. We have a text and we have a tree. And this is where this passage for me gets really, really fun. So the psalmist says, Oh, the joys of those who delight in the law of the Lord. What's the law of the Lord? What's the scriptures? It's the Bible. It's the Psalms that we'll be engaging in together on Sundays and starting tomorrow in our journey readings. We'll be reading a psalm a day for a majority of the fall. So when we delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Okay, wait a minute. Now this, I, I may have had you, but now you're like, this is weird. I don't get it. How do I just open this up day and night, kumbaya, like how does all this work? Well, hold on, we'll, we'll get there because we do have a text, but we're also given the image of a tree. And this is so beautiful about the way this poem, this scripture is written because it invites us in says, those who walk down the second path, who choose wisely, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. So we have this image of what it's like to follow that path. And so it looks a little something like this. It's a good-looking tree, isn't it? right by this beautiful source of water. Take a moment just to ponder the tree. Like, would you like to be this tree? 
Like if you had to be a, in a vegetative, like vegetable, like state, like this wouldn't be a bad place to be, right? Think about this tree. This tree has grown up big and strong. Whatever type of fruit this tree has, it will bear fruit in season. We don't know its history, but it surely started as a small sapling. It didn't have much. It didn't know much. Like the world could have been cruel, but this tree made it. One reason this tree made it is it was planted right by a source of water. It allowed this tree to grow up big and strong over time, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. That's what happens when a man, woman, or child chooses to walk the second path of godliness. We're like trees, friends. We need nourishment. And so it's imperative that we set down our roots in the things of God. That we get rooted in the scriptures, that we get fluent with what it looks like to pray to God. And the Psalms give us a handbook, a guidebook on what it's like to encounter the living God through scripture and prayer. See, here's the thing about Psalms. Psalms contain words from God. That's the scriptures. These are words from God. The Psalms also contain words about God. When we read the Psalms, we can find out about God and life and our lives and this world when we ponder that. But Psalms are also prayers to God. From the history of godly men and women of the faith, they're words from God about God, and they can be words that we pray back to God. The Psalms train us in that. And it doesn't happen overnight. But day after day, if we will root ourselves in scriptures, in the Psalms, they become the pathway by which we can encounter the living God. So almost 20 years ago, I showed up at Heartland and our founding pastor, Craig McElvain, had just started this in-house seminary. And towards the beginning of our studies, he took us to this Psalm. And he unpacked it similarly to the way I have today, just with a group, a small group of men and women who were trying to see what would it look like to be leaders in the church in the future, trusting God today. That's where I got walk, stand, sit, by the way. But he also said two things that I found so powerful that I want to pass on to you as well. He said, you know, there are two trees, two paths that this is talking about. And what's the difference in the tree? Let's say you have a tree that's planted by streams of water as opposed to the tree like in the other path that's self-fulfillment and, and choosing not the way of God. Well, during normal times, those trees are going to look very similar. Grow at about the same rate, probably produce fruit. There may be times when things are good and the environment's right where maybe even it looks like the tree is producing more fruit than this godly tree that's going a little more slow. But he said, you know what? When there's a drought, being planted by the stream of living water makes all the difference. And that's what this psalm says. If you are like a tree planted near streams of living water, you will bear fruit in season. Your leaves will not wither, and whatever you do will prosper, as opposed to those who choose not to, who cut corners, who take the wide road. That is the path that leads to destruction, particularly when the storm clouds come or the droughts happen and life 
kicks you to the curb. So in this psalm, we have a crossroads and a choice. We have two paths. We have a text and a tree. And here's the other thing Craig McElvain said. He said, you know what? The fruit of my life today and the ministry impact that God is using in me is a direct result of my prayer life three years ago. Why do he say that? Because he knew that it took time and daily discipline, and where he was today was through all that time that he'd been rooting his, his life in the Scriptures, in prayer, in the Spirit. And friends, the Psalms are a pathway by which you and I can encounter the living God. There's one more thing about this tree if we have the image up there. The tree in the book of Psalms or the, the, that, that's being referenced, the Psalms were put together. I believe Jay kind of made note of this. The, the Psalms were put together during Israel's time in exile. Exile was a low point in the history of Israel. Exile was that time of drought where they had been transplanted away from Jerusalem. The temple had been destroyed, and they're in Babylon, this pagan nation, and they just have to hunker up and settle down like they are far away from home. They're crying, crying out to God, and the Psalms are assembled in this moment. And that's an important backdrop in all days, at all times, but maybe a really important backdrop for us today because how many of us feel like our lives are more like a, a, a drought than a garden? This is a particularly difficult year, is it not? And that may hit some of us in various ways really close to home. And we wonder, how can we pray or how can we trust in God when things are this difficult? Or we say, you know, if things were easier, if I could arrange my schedule, or if I could prioritize, like, if things were better, I could pray and I could trust. And the reality is the opposite is true. The, the Psalms were created in that pressure cooker moment where things were at its worst. And that's where prayer and a life of faith can be cultivated in you and I today. Here's a great little book called Answering God, The Psalms as Tools for Prayer by Eugene Peterson. You might pick this up and trek along with it, but he says this, a transplanted tree provides the image that locates us in the way of prayer. Letting the psalm words carry their most natural meaning, a tree planted by streams of water is a tree transplanted alongside irrigation channels. Israel, during the time of the psalms, were collected and made into its prayer book, it was during the time of Babylonian exile. Babylon was flat and featureless. A single river flowed through the country, and so the Babylonians had to cut a network of irrigation channels across the land, multiplying the square miles of fertility. So transplanted along these banks were trees. And this was what the nation of Israel was like during that time. They were refugees under a merciless sun, and they thought they were in the worst possible place to pray. One of them composed a song called the Babylonian Blues that soon everyone was singing. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Or put in Psalm 40, how long to sing their song? They didn't think they could, Peterson says, but they did. My, how they did it. 
How did they do it? By letting God's word enter their lives again there in exile and letting his address pull answers out of them. They immersed themselves in scripture meditation and before they knew it, they were praying. They were trees transplanted to Babylon. They put down roots, put out leaves, and they produced fruit. And even during their hardest time, they prospered. Why? Because they were like trees planted along the riverbank, connected to streams of living water, who bore their fruit in season, whose leaves did not wither during times of drought. So where are you today? What's the state of your prayer life, your trust, your faith in God? Do you feel like you're in the garden or the wilderness? So three questions to ponder before we conclude today. First, where are you standing at a crossroads in your life? Where are you standing at a crossroads? Second, what pathway is the trajectory of your life on right now? Are you in the blessed, happy, joyful pathway? Or the easier road, the more common path that leads to destruction? Third, how are you doing at rooting yourself in the source of life? Where are your roots? And how are you doing at rooting yourself into the things of God? Friends, the Psalms that we're embarking on today are a pathway by which you and I, normal, everyday men and women, can encounter the transcendent, the living God. And so we'll send this out kind of in our conversation card in digital form. But our challenge, our invitation is the same one the psalmist is giving. Come journey in the Psalms with us. Sign up for our journey devotional. We'll be looking at five psalms a week, one a day. Join us in that, reading these words from God, pondering words about God, and learning to pray words to God. And as you do, we're encouraging you to do three things. Read the psalm. Read it. Get familiar with this incredible art, this poetry, these truths, these scriptures. Read the psalm. Then... Ponder it. Ponder is the same word as meditate, and it just means think about it. What does this passage, whatever psalm you're reading, say about God, yourself, the world we live in? Read the psalm, ponder it, and then pray the psalm. This may be a stretch for some of us, but the psalms were the original hymn book. The psalms are written as prayers. Some of them will be really easy to pray, and it'll feel like we're praying these things. Some will be prayers, but we won't be in the same place the psalmist is at, but we're still invited to pray. And what you'll probably do, what I try to do when I can, is just rephrase the psalm's message in my own words. Read, ponder, pray, and then repeat. Do that tomorrow and the day after that, so that you can be like a tree planted along the riverbank, which bears its fruit in season, whose leaf will never wither, And whatever will happen, no matter the season of blessing or drought, you will prosper. Read, ponder, pray, repeat.
And so I'm going to close our morning together with a prayer. And this will be a bit of a model of how you might pray a particular song after you've read it, as we did today, after you've pondered it, as I've tried to lay out for us. Here's how one might pray the psalm. And I have not rehearsed this, by the way. This is just normal language trying to use the language of the psalms. Oh, Lord, I want that happy, joyful life. I want to experience the blessings you have for me. Lord, please keep me from following the counsel of the wicked. Keep me from standing in the way of sinners. And keep me and my family and all of us in the Heartland family from sitting in that seat of mockers. Let our delight be in the law of the Lord. And bless this time in the Psalms. May we delight in that individually and collectively. Let us take steps to meditating on that, taking step towards you. Make us like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season, whose leaves never wither. Let what we do prosper. Lord, we don't want to be like that person. I don't. I know we don't. Who are like the wicked, who are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. Keep us from condemnation and judgment. Lord, we want to be people that though we are sinners, we're saved by your grace. Give us a place among the godly. Lord, watch over my path. Watch over the path of my friends and family, the path of everyone in this room and those viewing online. Watch over our path. Make it the godly path and allow us to avoid the path of wickedness that leads to destruction. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalms are words from God, words about God, and words to God. And so as you go and engage with the Psalms, may you encounter the living God. And until we meet again, I pray that God will bless you and keep you, that he will make his face to shine upon you. Pray that the Lord will be gracious to you and give you his peace. It's in the name of Jesus that I say go. Have a great week.